Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and on today's episode of the show, I am joined by no one. It's just me. Uh, Everybody's very busy at SlashFilm.com writing up a ton of coverage about The Batman, a movie that I'm sure a lot of you will be super interested in. We have a bunch of great coverage up about that movie already and we have a lot more locked and loaded and ready to arrive in the coming days so be sure to visit slashfilm.com on the regular and uh yeah if you're looking for an ending explained article we already have that up we have a bunch of stuff so many of you have probably already seen the film by the time you're listening to this uh check out the stuff we got there it's it's really great anyway okay let's get into the news really quickly uh because it's me i'm not going to spend the full 30 minutes talking here. I'm just going to run through a few things that I thought were notable that happened over the course of the past few days. Uh, And again, the reason that we haven't had a podcast is because Peter's on vacation. And uh, yeah, it's sort of Batman week and we've been very busy. So I apologize for the lack of episodes every day. So all of that said, uh, the Netflix Marvel shows are coming to Disney Plus this month and they're going to have new parental controls uh, sort of implemented along the way. So I was always under the impression that a Netflix original means that it's always going to live uh, on Netflix's service. It it will never go away. And I thought that those Marvel shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, et cetera, were uh, sort of under that model. And evidently that's not the case. I don't know. I don't think the the true behind the scenes uh, business breakdown has has really uh, emerged yet. I don't know if Disney Plus just forked over huge amounts of money to sort of buy out uh, the, those projects from the Netflix library, or if there was something in the initial contract that, um, Marvel signed with Netflix saying that like, after a certain number of years, we have the ability to renegotiate whether or not this remains a a Netflix thing. I'm not sure about the technical legal details there, but, uh, yeah, those shows, which are a little bit, you know, sort of darker and grimier and even R rated, uh, when compared to the Disney plus stuff, uh, the Disney plus Marvel shows anyway. Um, are coming to Disney Plus. And uh, on March 16th, 
if you open your Disney Plus app, all subscribers in the United States are going to be prompted to update their parental controls. Um, you can basically just move on if you don't have kids or have to worry about any of that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. Like it, it sort of maybe leads to uh, or sort of points the way for Disney Plus to become more of a, a sort of one-stop shop for um, yeah, a little bit more adult material. Um, you know, maybe by the time Disney outright owns Hulu, maybe all of that gets merged in. We've been talking a lot about the glut of streaming services out there and uh, corporate mergers and acquisitions that may be in the in the you know the years ahead. And this could be a sign that Disney is interested in sort of uh, loop, you know, sort of grouping all of that stuff together. And if the parental control thing becomes uh, a viable option for them, maybe that will give them, you know, the comfort to be able to introduce more adult friendly stuff on a streaming service that uh, ostensibly is made for families. Um, Ryan Scott wrote an article called Defenders Assemble. Here's what the Marvel Netflix shows joining Disney Plus can mean for the MCU. I recommend that you read that article. I will link to it in the show notes. Uh, so let's move on here to the Batman again. You know, I mentioned that already. Uh, in some theaters, uh, AMC theaters specifically, um, you're, you might have to pay more to see this movie. They have actually introduced the idea of variable pricing, which is something that they've been talking about for a long time. Evidently, they've been doing it in Europe for several years. I think we've mentioned that before in the past. Uh, but so far, AMC has not um, sort of adopted this policy in the United States, but that is changing for the Batman. Uh, it's not really super surprising given how the entire theatrical industry has been just completely decimated by uh, the pandemic along with, I mean, practically every other industry in the entire country. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the CEO of AMC, Adam Aaron, said in a recent earnings call that uh, tickets for the Batman will be, quote, slightly higher than the prices for other movies playing in the same theaters at the same time, end quote. And the plan uh, basically says that AMC is going to be charging $1.50 more for an adult ticket compared to a ticket uh, to another movie at the same time in the same venue. So, um, you know, not a huge jump. Uh, back in 2013, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas predicted variable movie ticket prices. That They basically said, this is the future. This is inevitable. This is what is going to happen. And um, that was like almost 10 years ago. And, and uh, it, it is now coming to fruition. I think Lucas and Spielberg, Spielberg were saying that going to the movies would cost you fifty or hundred or one hundred and fifty dollars, and we're clearly not there yet with just a dollar fifty increase from AMC. But uh, again, sort of a, a potential um, slippery slope sounds like a negative thing, and I actually think this might be kind of a positive thing for theaters. Um, but again, you when you introduce uh, an idea like this, there is that sort of implication that like if the the movies that don't get this treatment that that uh, don't charge you an extra dollar fifty or whatever. Um, that's theaters basically saying uh, these other movies here are not of uh, as high a quality. And like, will studios and filmmakers uh, push back against that at all? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, okay, so talking about the Batman, uh, there is there are multiple Batman spinoff shows. I think HBO Max is calling it a Batverse. 
that they are trying to work on. Matt Reeves, the director of the Batman, is involved in an executive producer capacity. Uh, one of those shows he sort of hinted at in a recent interview with uh, the Toronto Sun. He said, we're doing the Penguin series, which is one that we've known about for a long time that stars uh, Colin Farrell reprising his role as the Penguin. Uh, and then Reeves' quote continues. He says, and we're doing another series that connects to Arkham Asylum. And that is really interesting because we don't know if this is the uh, Gotham City Police Department show that uh, is supposed to be following Jeffrey Wright's character, the, the Commissioner Gordon uh, character. We don't know if this is a whole other separate show that is going to be about basically a live action uh, sort of riff on what happens at Arkham Asylum. The fact that he says another series that connects to Arkham I mean, it leads us to believe that this could be the Gotham PD show. This could be a whole new thing. But yeah, interesting stuff there. Uh, I have not seen the Batman yet. I'm actually going to see it uh, tonight. Um, I'm very excited about that and very excited to see uh, what that Arkham sort of mythos looks like in the Matt Reeves uh, envisioning here. Um, I remember, you know, reporting on this movie as, as the development casting were rolling out. And there's like a ton of villains in this film. And uh, there was a lot of talk about like, oh, is this too many? You know, we've run into this problem a lot with Batman movies before. Um, too many villains sort of crowding up the movie. It happened a lot with the, it's happened a lot in superhero movie history. Spider-Man 3, I think, is another big example of that. People had big complaints about too many villains sort of crowding things out and not really getting enough uh, space devoted to them. So I'm curious to see how uh, Matt Reeves handles that. And then if there's just enough of a tease there to... Uh, introduce his Arkham Asylum and, and what his vision of that is and, and uh, to see if that would be something that would be fun to explore in, uh, on the small screen. So uh, moving from one superhero story to another, Tom Hiddleston says that he is, quote unquote, a temporary torchbearer of the Loki role. That is kind of interesting because uh, last summer he said, quote, if I were asked to play Loki for the rest of my life, would I? Yeah, absolutely. And then just recently, uh, in an, uh, I guess a, a panel discussion for Loki that was hosted by the Royal Television Society. He said, quote, I'm a temporary torchbearer. I've always thought that it's a great role. It's an archetype, the, tr the trickster god, the agent of chaos. I'm just here interpreting that for the time being. Loki has been here for centuries and will be here for centuries more. And I'm just stepping into that silhouette for now. So is that, uh, do you want to read between the lines there? And is this, um, Tom Hiddleston sort of laying the groundwork for, you know, somebody like um, another character like Sylvie or something to the, the Loki variant from the Loki Disney Plus show to take over as the sort of quote unquote primary Loki in the MCU. Um, could Richard E. Grant step into that role in a more uh, sort of permanent capacity? Probably not. It would probably be Sophia DiMartino who played Sylvie. Um, you know, kid Loki, there's been so much talk about like a young Avengers kind of uh, team up situation potentially happening in, in the movies or a show, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think everybody, Tom Hiddleston's Loki is like, wildly beloved, maybe arguably the most beloved, um, one of the most beloved figures in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. So uh, the fact that he is even hinting at like, oh, maybe he could leave one day, I'm sure will will cause uh, a lot of people to, their hearts to to uh, skip a beat or something. So um, we'll see if this is just him basically saying like Loki as a mythological figure, a, a um, a staple of mythology has been around for a long time. And I am temporarily, you know, in my lifetime going to be this torchbearer, or if he's talking about something a little bit more 
uh, concrete and and uh, uh, more narrowly focused of like, well, I've held this torch for a while and now I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. So we'll have to see about that. And then finally, uh, the last news story that I wanted to mention here very briefly is that uh, Ariana DeBose, who plays Anita in Steven Spielberg's uh, reimagining of West Side Story, has been cast in Craven the Hunter, which is a Sony Spider-Man universe movie that is in the works. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be playing Craven the Hunter, who's this hunter character who, uh, in the comics, has has you know he's just like this big game. I think he's Russian. He's this big game hunter and uh, sort of sets his sights on Spider-Man as like the ultimate prey. As for Ariana Debose, sources told Variety that the actor will be playing Calypso in this movie, which is a character who is. Uh, commonly depicted as an occasional love interest of Craven the Hunter. So that is kind of interesting there. She is, uh, let's see, the, the description of Calypso is that she is a quote-unquote voodoo priestess who utilizes magic potions. So that's interesting. I mean, uh, there's a lot of um, unfortunate racial stereotypes that go into uh, a characterization like that. Um, I'm reminded a little bit of like the ancient one, the, the sort of uh, controversy that Marvel Corded with the original Doctor Strange movie that they had to deal with. So there's always the possibility that something like this goes horribly wrong. But uh, there's also the possibility that they figure out a good way to modernize this and, and steer clear of, uh, of disaster there. So fingers crossed that they figure out a good way to, to work that out. But even, you know, putting setting all that aside, the idea that there's a, a priestess who usual, utilizes magic potions... Um, yeah, that's that's like slightly different than some of the magic that we've seen in the MCU before. And I mean, Sony's Spider-Man universe is like slightly different than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, although they share some DNA, they share some characters at times. So uh, yeah, I'm curious like what this will mean about like, an, is this introducing a new form of magic, sort of like how WandaVision sort of like really, um, I guess you would say like underlined the idea of chaos magic and uh uh, yeah, like drew a, a link between the type of magic that she uses and the type of magic that Doctor Strange uses. Um, so is this a, a new sort of magic that's going to pop up in this uh, weird shared joint, not always joined superhero universe that Sony has? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, okay, speaking of West Side Story for Ariana DeBose, she, she just won a SAG award, by the way, for her work in that. I think she's still the considered to be the, the front runner for uh, best supporting actress at the Oscars. So I'm excited for her there. Uh, but West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's version and Drive My Car, which are two of the best movies from 2021, are now available to stream on HBO Max. And we got an email. Uh, I guess that, that happened a day or two ago. We got an email from a listener um, basically saying that he wrote this little encouragement for people to check out the new West Side Story in case we have some extra time on the podcast and to read this letter. And I, I really enjoyed this letter, so I just wanted to read it to you guys. So it goes like this. Dear fellow listeners, I hope everyone gets a chance to watch Steven Spielberg's West Side Story streaming today on Disney and HBO Max. Uh, I grew up in Steven Sondheim's town, revering his lyrics and scores from a young age. I sat a row behind Steven Spielberg at Hamilton on Broadway as he was scouting future talent. I'll never forget Leonard Bernstein's score for On the Town booming through the lyric theater. Watching this adaptation be filmed in the summer of 2019 over social media made me so proud of all the hardworking Broadway dancers like Jess Laproto, Ural Echezareta, Kyle Kaufman, Ricky Ubeda, Paloma Garcia-Lee, Eloise Kropp, and more. They've known this Jer Jerome Robbins choreography for years, and I was so overjoyed to see them reinterpret it on celluloid 
under the new choreography by Justin Peck. This movie is made with reverence for musical theater and movie musicals before it. Tony winner David Alvarez and Tony nominee slash Oscar nominee Ariana DeBose brings so much star power to the screen that make me so proud of all these Broadway professionals who made this gorgeous tapestry. Paul Tazewell's Technicolor costume designs with petticoats of spandex and Laduca dance shoes stretch and flow with every swish of these dancers. Um, character choices, even the diegetic somewhere musical notes in the subway scene and the Gwyn Verdon looking character in the jail are carefully placed. I wish everyone the joy and explosion of color and emotions of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Best, Andrew. So thanks for writing that, Andrew. I I, uh, think that's a good recommendation for people who may have skipped the movie for whatever reason. Um, If you thought it was like a yeah, whatever whatever reasons uh, you may have had, the the film is now easily accessible um, on on multiple streaming platforms. So definitely check that out. Uh, as he mentioned, it's on Disney Plus and HBO Max. So yeah, watch West Side Story, watch Drive My Car, both excellent excellent movies. They were both in my personal top ten of 2021. If that means anything to anyone, and yes, that is finally going to bring us to the end of this. Uh, really weird episode of slash film daily sorry for um for running solo on you guys i know like i said everybody's super busy working on batman stuff right now uh and i know that we haven't had very many episodes this week and i just wanted to uh give you something instead of um going radio silent again so uh sorry if this was (laughs) as weird for you as it was for me but um yeah hopefully we'll be back uh if not tomorrow then definitely next week to do like a full-on um, Batman sort of reaction spoiler episode. I know we're going to do that at some point next week. So look forward to that. I will, I will make sure that we carve out time, um, to get those of us who have seen the movie and and have some time, uh, to jump onto the the podcast and talk about that film. Um, because it's definitely something that people are going to be talking a lot about. So, uh, enjoy your, uh, day, enjoy your night, enjoy your weekend. If we don't talk to you tomorrow, enjoy the Batman. If you get a chance to go see that, Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. And you can find more about the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.